Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I've got John Shaw with me. John Shaw, as many listeners will know, is the General Secretary on the Committee of Home Missions and Church Extension. Uh, At the time of this recording, and certainly by the time you all hear this, John will be a lame duck General Secretary for Home Missions. He is on his way out. John, how long, how many, are we at about 10 years? How long have you been doing this? Yeah, it's a little bit over 10 years. I started in March of 2013. So 10 years as general secretary, and we'll get into some details about the work that's been done, and, and you'll hear more about uh, why John is leaving and and those types of things. But John, I thought maybe we could start off. I, I had the uh, opportunity when one of your first public unveilings, if that's the, the right word, which is actually when I met you, uh, when Ross Graham, the former general secretary, and Dick Gerber, the associate general secretary, invited you to the uh, annual meeting in Orlando with home missions chairs of the different presbyteries and regional home missionaries, and they kind of gave you the floor, which really introduced you to us. Uh, a number of things stood out, but I, I think the clearest one, and, and I, you've certainly repeated it in other places, you sort of had two focus points when you were coming in. Uh, The first was urban church planting. You wanted to see the OPC grow and understand and make progress in that. And I I don't know if it was you or somebody else at the meeting that had mentioned the OPC, when thinking about cities, often kind of had the metro surrounding areas where there were church plants. How how did we get into the city proper? Mm -hmm. And your second focus was evangelism, sort of breaking the stereotypes, growing into uh, a better, to borrow a, a pun here for Outward OPC, a better outward focus on things. Sure. And I thought maybe we could take some time at the beginning to just talk about each one of those categories and give you some time to reflect on 10 years with the committee. Uh, let's start with the first, uh, which I had in my mind as urban church planting. Uh, I'll kind of open the floor to you and, and, and play off you with some specific follow-ups and questions, but I'm wondering if you could sort of lay out how you think the 10 years with you as the general secretary has gone, which is obviously not you, it's you and it's the associate general secretary and it's the committee and it's the men who are church planters and it's the presbytery's calling, but nonetheless, you oversee that and help set some vision. So I'm wondering if you could reflect on what you've seen transpire how you think how you think things have gone, and, and maybe even some stories that that kind of crystallize some of the things that you've enjoyed seeing take place. Yeah. Oh man, I I want to start with the other topic because I feel much more um, positive about how things are have gone. I think there's been progress in urban church planning. It's probably helpful just to review. I mean, you and I have a shared interest in this. Obviously, you were a church planner in Queens. I was a church planner in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, and at the time, those were probably the two urban church plants that were kind of up and running, uh, and they're both still 
healthy churches doing good ministry, I think, in an urban context. And and so that's part of where my interest grew. I mean, my interest in urban church planning grew long before that. And, uh, you know, my prayer was to serve in that capacity as a church planner, and the Lord gave me that opportunity. And what I would love to tell you is that there are 10 or a dozen urban churches or church plants that have started in the last decade. And I can't tell you that. I can tell you there's a few, you know, three or four. But I also don't want to, you know, how the prophet said, I don't want to despise the day of small things. We know this is a little bit tougher not to crack as far as the work that we're called to do. We know that not just for the OPC or for Reformed churches, but planting truly urban churches that embrace the community and gather people from the communities just, it takes time. And so I, I guess I would say a couple things. I think the urban church planning desires match very clearly the outward facing evangelistic desires. And in some way, we have, we have to continue to grow in evangelism and be more effective at that before we can be as effective in urban church planning as we want to be. And so I think that explains a little bit why we're going to talk about evangelism and outward facing in a bit. And there's a lot more progress there. But but here's here's what I see, and I'm really excited about it. First of all, obviously, um, New City OPC up in Grand Rapids, the Lord's blessed that work, and I'm so thankful for what is happening there for the people who are committed to reaching uh, an urban community in Grand Rapids. Now, some of us probably don't think of Grand Rapids as having a, much of an urban core, but it's got a significant urban core. And the group there has worked hard at that to reach their neighbors and, and think intentionally all the time about what it means, not just to be a church that meets on Sunday, but to reach the community around them. And I, I was just with them, some of them back in February and was so encouraged uh, to hear stories of how the Lord's adding to their numbers. We have a lot to learn from folks like that in a church like that. But I also want to talk about Light of the Nations in Dayton. It's actually one of my, uh, there's stories there to tell that are some of my favorite stories to tell about church planting. It, you know, New City and Grand Rapids started about the time I started. So I was just getting my feet under me. But Light of the Nations started about four years ago. Tyler Dietrich is now the pastor there. Brad Peppa was the uh, first church planter there. And Tyler later came as an intern. There's so many beautiful stories, but maybe just just two of them in, in kind of general terms. First of all, they, they started meeting in a large building owned by a Lutheran church, just a block or two off Main Street. And the Lord just opened that door for them. They weren't looking for it. The pastor knew about Brad Pepo and his family and, and actually reached out to Brad and asked them if they wanted to use the building. And so here they are on a corner two blocks off Main Street. In particular, you know, cold weather people who are who don't have a home to live in, who would in part come in because there was a light on and there was heat, and had the opportunity to hear the gospel proclaimed and, and be loved by folks. And that's where they started. But what the Lord did for them is uh, a couple years later, a large church building became available for sale. And by large, I mean, it takes up a couple city blocks. The building has 50 plus classrooms. It has 
a worship area that seats over 500 and a second worship area that seats like 200. It has a gym, just a massive building. Most of our churches, congregations would love to have a building that size. And here was this new church plant that was given that building. And here's what they did. And I love this is they didn't just say, this is a good opportunity to buy a building at a good price, but they said, how can we, how can we love the neighborhood in which the building is situated? Tyler and his his family moved uh, to a house. They bought a house that's two blocks from the building. You can actually walk out their back door and look down the alley, and the alley runs right across Third Street into uh, into the property of the church building. And, and so they've embraced the neighborhood, and you know, just in simple things like that. But they've also thought about how to support ministry and approach ministry that reaches that community. So they have lots of space that they don't need. And they went looking for gospel-believing ministries in the area that needed space. And so, for instance, there's something called International Friends. It's an organization uh, in Ohio that focuses on ministry to international students at big campuses. And uh, they now rent space from the OP Church. There's a weekly Bible study with 70 to 100 students that come, folks from the church volunteer. Uh, Brad Peppo helps teach, uh, an open opportunity to share the gospel. They also decided to start English language classes. And this, just in this past year, they've been running the class for two years, but just in this past year, they had a, over 100 new students learning English through teaching the Bible. And providentially, the Lord's brought them I think something like 70 of the students are, are uh, immigrants from Colombia who found out, shared with their friends, and all started showing up. And now, you know, they have a, a Sunday school class on Sunday for, for folks in Spanish language. They're working on translation during the worship service so those folks can be part of the worship service, but also understand some of the preaching. Just open doors for ministry. And also, Brad in particular got to know some Turkish Muslims in a community center that's nearby. And they have monthly meetings uh, with these Turkish Muslim friends where they get to interact about the Christian faith and Islam. And they have an open door to share the truth of the gospel with them. Uh, that that's, that's the kind of ministry that in many ways is unique to urban ministry you know, just the collection of all these different kinds of people with, with a variety of needs and then open doors for the gospel. And I, again, I was there back in February and what I saw was a young church, lots of young singles, young marrieds, college students, uh, many of them volunteering their time for various ministries to the community and people from various countries and religious backgrounds in a worship service hearing the gospel preached, uh, including a young lady, I think she was Hindu, who'd been coming to worship for two months now, who wants to understand who Jesus is. Now, I want to be able to tell a dozen of those stories of churches. I just told about two of them. There's a couple others I could talk about. But part of the desire is to see many more of these throughout the U.S. It's amazing how the four missions fields coming in, into the borders of our country, and we had the opportunity 
to to do that kind of ministry. Yeah, Light of the Nations, I think for people who follow Home Missions today, you only get a little window, but you kind of get this taste every time Light of Nations uh, pops up that, you know, there's really there's really something happening as there are in a number of other churches, but that one sort of stands out. And I appreciate you sharing a couple stories there. And I hope we hear more about Light of the Nations and others so that, you know, it can kind of percolate to, to others to, to hear even more details of what's going on. When I asked you that question, I didn't know what your answer was going to be, and I, I didn't really think too hard of what your answer might be. But as I was listening, uh, sort of a follow-up question came to mind, not to just put this in a positive light, because you've mentioned it, it isn't necessarily as strong as you and the committee would have hoped uh, it would be yet. But I wonder what you think. I have noticed, you know, I had the opportunity to be with you guys at church planting conferences and, and different places. And it seems like under the surface, there is a renewed energy and vigor for a number of cities. Mm-hmm. Hasn't materialized. Maybe some attempts have been made and had to, you know, kind of back off, or maybe there's just a lot of work to be done in terms of resources and things like that. But what do you think about, like, I'll just give you a few, like when I think of your answer, I thought of Chris Hartshorn becoming regional home missionary in Southern California with a with a with thinking about Los Angeles and having Branch of Hope, you know, right there and, and that type of setup. I thought of Houston with Mark Sumter and Again, you know, so maybe hasn't been the straightest road that they would have liked, but there's some real concrete steps there. Thinking about um, the Washington, D.C. metro area with a young church plant kind of circling the metro area and, you know, Phil Proctor's church in Sterling and the new church plant in Manassas. We could maybe list a couple other cities, but do you without just trying to spin it all positive, do you sense and does the committee sense sort of a renewed energy and vigor in those areas that maybe, you know, down the road, it, instead of saying it's a few, it's a few times two times three, uh, if the Lord blesses that? I, I absolutely think so. And, you know, my tendency is to think about the things we haven't done and how can we do better? But I, I agree with you. I think um, Mark Sumter, there's certain guys that I feel like if people could meet Mark Sumter, the regional home missionary in, in Southwest, or Charles Biggs, the regional home missionary in the Mid-Atlantic, these are guys who exude gospel optimism and gospel joy and are willing to go wherever the Lord sends them to take the gospel. And so Houston, fourth largest metro area in the U.S. now. You know, we only have three churches in Houston, but you know what? Ten years ago, we had one. And I think as we plant churches, we're going to zero in and and move toward the city. Uh, And Mark's certainly done some evangelistic work further into the city. I I definitely see that. Chris Hartshorn, this is a guy who his first call was as a church planner in East Harlem. Uh, Most of us can't even imagine living in East Harlem, nonetheless, planting a church from, from scratch. And so I think Chris has gospel enthusiasm, um, skill in taking the gospel to places that not everybody is capable of taking it. You mix him with Eric Hart, Eric Watkins out there and Joel Ellis and Phoenix. Like these are guys who, who know how to, how to communicate the gospel and love people really well. So I, I think we're seeing a zeroing in. And I should say, I mean, I, I didn't name 
all the places, but like the press trade of the Southeast investing so much time and resources in Clarkston, Georgia, which most of us have never heard of Clarkston, but you know, was labeled by Time Magazine as the Ellis Island of the South. There's something like a hundred people groups represented in the seven square mile inner suburb of Atlanta. And we have a mission there. Chris Cashin served there for a few years and served really well. And now uh, Malaku, who himself is a refugee from Ethiopia, with our church seven miles away where Zacharias Abraham, a refugee from Eritrea, you know, refugees doing ministry to refugees just outside of, of downtown Atlanta. So there's stuff happening. And I, I think it, it is just kind of a renewed energy, a love for God and for his gospel that overflows in a love for people who need the gospel. So I am really encouraged. I, I Like I said, you know, I, I just really wish there were 12 of them right now instead of the three or four. I, and I guess the other I should mention is out in Pasadena, California, Matt Cotta uh, has been the church planner there. That church was just organized. Uh, they had an intern, Isaac, who's from China, and Isaac is there doing ministry in Mandarin. And they have a, a Bible study to to folks from, from China there. So I think there's good good things happening that have some urban context, some you know, cross-cultural context. There's a church in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, that received uh, a Chinese language church. And now they're one church together with separate, you know, different worship services. So there's things happening. And that one is right in the city. It's it's on the campus of University of Wisconsin, if you've ever been there, Camp Randall Stadium is like right out the front door of the church building. And there's two OP churches, really, an OP church and a mission work right there in Madison, you know, right between the Capitol and the campus. So there's stuff happening and it's good stuff. And I'm really thankful for it. But hopefully, you know, you're a little bit like me, you being not just you, Brad, but folks who are listening, it's not enough. (laughs) Like there are a whole lot more people who need the gospel and there are opportunities for us to take it to them. Yeah, it seems like the picture, like you said, it started off with you kind of seeing what the OPC hasn't been able to do. When you go to that second tier of what's kind of brewing underneath and, and places like Clark, Clarkson, which wouldn't necessarily be put on a list as like, oh, New York, Chicago, Houston, Clarkson. But when you realize what's in Clarkson and you start to get the bigger picture, it gets a bit more encouraging and a bit more exciting about what's happening in the OPC. Uh, I, I made you answer the difficult question first. So let's not hold off any longer. Sounds like there's going to be some overlap. Let's switch to the second category of focus that you brought in, which was a renewed evangelistic outward facing awareness ability uh, as, as you uh, became general secretary. What do you see in that? You've already hinted that it's, you know, much stronger in your mind, a, a better picture. Give us a couple minute scenario of what you've seen take place, and then we can dig into some particulars. Yeah. Well, first of all, the Lord has been sending us ministers and church planners who are both excited about evangelism, but also have unique gifts. So, I mean, some of them, if you listen much to Outward OPC, you can go find about Brad Pepo and Eric Watkins and Eric Hausler. So I don't need to retell those stories, though I I love telling those stories. But uh, something like the New Braunfels, Texas 
work, where Carl Miller is the church planter. This is one I, I love to tell stories about this place because Carl's a gifted pastor and the Lord's really blessed him. But what you see in New Braunfels is a church filled with people who love to talk about Jesus and love to invite neighbors and friends to church. And so they have regular visitors, not because Carl, the pastor, went out to find visitors, but because the church is inviting people and they're seeing adults converted and baptized, people who haven't been in church in decades who show up and end up joining the church. I preached there their second worship service, and there was a row of of about six 20-year-old young men, one of whom was home on leave from the military. His parents were part of the church plant. And home on leave, he invited his friends to come with him to church. And some of them, none of them were believers except for him. And some of them had barely ever heard the gospel before. And uh, I was preaching about the fact of the resurrection and what it means that we have a risen Savior with a call to believe and trust in him. One of those young men is now baptized member of the church. And that that particular mission work, now established church, has grown out of either three or four building spaces as the Lord's brought people. And it's not just, you know, people moving into the community who already have been in a Reformed church, but it includes new believers or folks who've given up on the church, who've, who've come back and become part of the church. And those are the kind of stories that I think there's a lot of them, actually. So my own Presbyterium, uh, which hadn't had a church plant in over a decade. We now, by the way, after our Presbyterian meeting on Saturday, have three mission works. One of them is in, in Downingtown. Greg O'Brien and his wife, Ginger, are there. They were missionaries in China, just gifted folks who love to tell people about Jesus. They just finished uh, a members new members class in December, started a brand new one that just finished now with 17 people in the newest membership class, including a couple of people with pretty significant disabilities. And, and I, you know, sometime we got to get Greg on here to tell this story, but the caretaker for one of the, one of the folks with disabilities who reluctantly came to church because the person she was caring for wanted to come did not really care about the gospel. And now she's been through the membership class, loves the church and is ready to join it. We had a week back in November, uh, Al and I, Altric Herrick and I had visited a couple mission works and talked to a few church planners and found out that just in the last week, we had heard what would seem like the exact same story, but in four different locations, where in four of our mission works, the Lord providentially sent uh, a homeless, homeless person to the mission work, and the mission work had embraced this, the, in each case, the person that was sent to them. People were volunteering to bring food, take them to appointments, help them get to doctor's visits. And in each case, this person slowly warmed to the church and ended up showing up for worship. One of them who, when he first came, refused to go in the building because he was so scared about connecting to the church in Jesus Christ, who is now going through Bible studies with a man from the church and coming to worship services. Years ago, there was a story of Chris Hartshorn, and the man that ended up joining their church was baptized. This picture was in New Horizons, and and the running joke was he made the mistake of moving next door to an Orthodox Presbyterian minister, and as he was taught the gospel, the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, changed his heart, and he's now a member of an Orthodox Presbyterian church. 
And what I'm so excited about is to hear more and more of these stories. They're not, they're not surprises now, and they're not rare stories. They're really common stories. And I'll tell just, just one more because this one blows, blows me away. So Andover, Minnesota, uh, this was uh, a mission work about eight years ago that it started. It was actually the, a church plant out of the church where I was a pastor before I took this call. And it had a very slow, rough beginning. Several points wondered, is this church going to make it? Uh, it eventually was organized after six years or so with four elders and four deacons. To hear Jim Hoekstra, the church planner and now pastor, tell us last November that in two years they'd seen 12 conversions. And it's a church of 70 people. It's not like it's a big church. Church of 70 people that had seen 12 conversions in a in two years. The, those kind of stories, they get my juices flowing. They get me excited about doing ministry. They make me want to go out. That's the kind of God we serve. He saves people in that kind of way. That's great. Um, love hearing those stories. And I know listeners will love hearing the details and the specifics. When you think about the two topics you and the committee now are really kind of positive on the evangelistic growth and effort, would like to see more in urban. What's the dynamic to get those two to match up? In other words, you have this energy and outward facing ability. Is it, I don't want to say as simple as, but is it as straightforward as in the OPC, we don't have a lot of people in cities who know what's going on and know the culture and therefore can just naturally have a group formed. Do, do we have some exploring to do in terms of being able to go into the city or is it something else that will bring that connection of what you're seeing in evangelistic energy pairing up with urban settings? I think some of it is just where our churches have been. So the most common kind of church planning that we do right now is a, an established church sends plants a church where some of their families live. And so if our churches are situated in the suburbs, and if, as is often happening in cities, people are moving further away from the urban core rather than closer to, then it makes sense that our, our most natural church planting is happening out in the suburbs and not in the city. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not, it's not a failure. It's, it's where we are. But I do think it means that if we're going to be involved in urban church planning, we have to be a little bit more intentional than we have been. Um, and I think, you know, providentially now's the time because people are moving back to the cities. You know, there's been that big flight away from, now people are moving back in. And so I think there's opportunities for us, whether it's through college ministry, because lots of colleges are in the city because that's where college age people want to be. So as our students go go to college, I mean, that's part of the Light of the Nation story. It, they're filled with college students because there's a couple colleges within easy distance of where the church meets. And some of them used to go to an OP church out in the suburbs, but now there's one close to their campus. And so there's there's a youth and an energy to that. So I think some of it is just providentially, we're, we're going to have to be more intentional about it because it's not where we necessarily are. I do think there's a there's a savviness to it 
that we need to grow in. So we're really comfortable with a certain subset of people and how we preach and teach and do discipleship. There's a type of person that we gravitate to. And it has to do with affluence, uh, education levels. And so even in the city, there's probably portions of the city that we're more comfortable in, you know, regentrified, where people with a higher level of education are living, professionals, et cetera. And, and we're more comfortable functioning in that environment for the most part. And I think we have to get better at, at reaching a broad subset of people. So, I, you know, I think there's a couple aspects to it. It is going to take intentional work. There are ways in which it's more complicated. You're likely going to have to take longer to identify and train leaders. Although maybe we should just get more effective at that and not wait so long to do it. But I, I you know, there, there's a learning curve there, especially for officers who have to take certain vows about reformed theology. You, you know, you don't learn that in six months. That, that takes some time. And so I, I think there's some of those kind of barriers that we need to get get past. But I think some of it is just some of us need to move into those areas. And eventually, you know, there's an opportunity for us to plant churches in those areas as people live and move and get to know their neighbors. So I could talk just real quickly about one church that's not urban in, in the sense of like going into D.C., but the Manassas church plant. So they've been very intentional about planting a church in Manassas with people from Manassas. So not people, you know, I'm sure they have people that drive in, but the majority of that group lives in Manassas and they live their lives in Manassas. So they do social events together in Manassas. They go, like I see pictures all the time of John Paul and some of his friends are at a community event. They're uh, running a race together. Like they're out and about in the community where they live and where their church is. So it's a local church. I think that's a little bit of it too. You know, suburbanites are more, I say suburbanites, I don't mean that in a negative way, but people who live in the suburbs are more used to driving to get to things. People in the city tend to do things where they live. And if we're going to reach our neighbors, we have to be with them. So I, you know, I think there's some, those are some of the aspects that can contribute, help us, if we can grow in those areas, help us to plant more effectively in an urban context. That's great. John, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate hearing these stories. I think people will really be blessed. Uh, Just on behalf of, uh, you know, I've kind of watched you serve as general secretary and on behalf of people who, you know, are listening to this and have seen your ministry, we just thank you for giving your time and energy for the, the cost that your family felt with you traveling however many days a year to do this. And we just uh, hope the Lord blesses whatever the next chapter for you and Ann and the kids are. And uh, maybe we'll get to talk to you again soon in a couple of years as a local pastor or church planter and, and see what stories you're telling. So thanks for your time and your uh, service. Over thanks, 10 Brad. Years. I, I just want to say this. I want to thank, you know, folks that are listening, who've prayed for the ministry of home missions. Thanks so much for prayers and good wishes that I get from so many folks and just encourage you in this way. Keep praying and keep telling people about Jesus. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.